Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast NBA Draft Live Show. It's time for us to find out what the hell is going to happen in this 2022 NBA draft. With me, as always, Matt Penny over there in Boston. Yeah. What up, Ben? Uh, I'm very excited. I know you're very excited. This is changing by the the moment, the minute in front of us. I dress for the occasion. You said before we got on here, why are you wearing a suit? You're supposed to dress for the job that you want. They invited 24 guys to the green room. There's space for another. If there's 25, uh, the 25th invitation, I'm ready to jog around the corner get there and uh, jump into action. Uh, but until then, I'll be here with you, a special guest or two, guiding our way through this draft that apparently isn't set yet, and we are 12 minutes till the first pick. I see that this thing is not set yet. This thing is going to be crazy. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has thrown a bomb our way, a patented Woj bomb. <laughs> Paulo is in serious contention to go number one as the gamblers have thought for a while now paulo on sunday started to get real action to go number one overall i'm uh, moving from anywhere between 12 to 18 to 1 all the way down to about 2.8 to 1 2.5 to 1 then last night there was heavy movement again paulo actually became the favorite to go number one woge tweets this morning that it looks like it's going to be jabari smith at number one again odds flip again and as of 10 minutes ago it was minus 900 <laughs> for Jabari Smith to be the number one overall pick. Yikes. You have to win. You uh, have to bet $9 to win $1. This thing is off the rails already. Uh, yeah. I have no idea what to expect here. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, this is going to be do, nuts. Do you remember when this was a boring draft? It was boring. The guys at the top aren't great. Uh, credit to the Magic. Credit to Paolo Bancaro's camp. However, this thing has swung. I went to bed last night around midnight. I woke up at 5, 6 in the morning. My son wanted to watch a, a movie, which was great. And I, I wake up to this barrage of texts of the, the gambling line shifting. And then by about 2 or 3 in the afternoon, it was back to normal. And now it, it's crazy. So I, I credit Orlando for the process of keeping it so close to the vest. You and I talked about this. And I'm not trying to pat ourselves yeah. on the back here. We talked about this in early June when it was written in marker that the number one pick was Jabari Smith Jr. You talked to people. I talked to people. We said it's not a foregone conclusion. I thought it would be a foregone conclusion before 7.49 p.m. here. But the fact that they're still going through it, I don't know if they're vetting it. I don't know if they're staying on tables, throwing stuff at each other in the Orlando Magic War Room. But there's excitement to, to start off here, which is a, a little insane. Yeah, look, here is what I wrote in my final mock draft. Uh, Smith was the guy number one in the immediate post-lottery mock draft, and he remains that guy here as we move toward the end of draft, draft week. I'm still 
not as certain as some of my media colleagues to call this a lock, even less than two hours away from the event. The Orlando front office is extremely secretive and has done a phenomenal job of keeping this thing under wraps. It has done its due diligence on all of the top group of projects in different ways. I don't think this decision has been made for weeks or anything like that. And we'll just find out about it on draft night. Uh, I know that this is not the answer that betters want to hear right now as they try to place their bet on who goes number one, but I legitimately have thought this process that Orlando's or thought throughout this process, the Orlando's decision is much more wide open than the consensus would indicate. That was two hours ago that I wrote that. Yeah. Uh, I still was concerned as of two hours ago. And I'm someone who like talks to people. You talk to people. Yeah. This thing is wide open. Like, let's just be real with it. Let's not act like it's a done deal. Try and be first. Orlando did a great job. I didn't feel great about it. I'm still getting text messages as we speak about like, are we sure? Is this moving? Is this shifting? There's very few people I think on the planet that actually know if Vegas gets this right again, like they're just, I'm never going to gamble ever. It's like, how did you know this? And, And the rest of us didn't. Uh, we joked about it this morning. Did someone at a bar just like throw this a- across and somebody caught it and said, hey, Powell's going number one. I don't, I don't think Shabari Smith Jr. Maybe. Uh, w- let's quickly talk about this, though, as, as we get closer and closer to number one pick. We talked a lot about Jabari Smith Jr.'s fit with the Magic. We talked a lot about potentially Chet Holmgren's fit with the Magic. What's your take on if this reaches the level that it looks like, what's Paolo Bancaro's fit on the Magic with the current pieces and roster that they have? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, is Orlando good enough to where you worry about any pieces that fit outside of Franz Wagner, who is their, like, main piece, right? And Jalen Suggs, to an extent, who I would consider, like, a real secondary asset moving forward. Uh, I don't know that you do. Like, I don't like the idea of Wendell Carter and Paulo Bancaro together in the front court. Like, I think that that just doesn't have enough foot speed necessarily uh, to be able to uh, defend effectively in the NBA. Wagner is, you know, not fast for a three if he's going to go down and play the three more often. So I worry about foot speed for sure. But on some level, I'm just, I, I am, I am interested in where this all goes now. And I'm interested in just hearing your perspective on what the fit is with the Orlando magic here uh, moving forward with Paulo, if they end up drafting him at number one, their, their view. And as we're watching the uh, one of my favorite parts of the NBA ad, this NBA runway with the parents as the players are introduced. It, it's awesome. If you're peeking out on the screen, it's, it's funky, right? It's funky. If you're Orlando, do you worry about the fit? I've yelled about, just taking Jaden Ivey if you're the Kings. Don't worry about the fit. Like, he, he's the guy. If they feel that strongly about Paulo, they'll move some things around to make it work. On paper, I, I don't love it with just extending Wendell. Like you talked about, Franz Wagner can kind of play anywhere. But from that self-creation spot that Paulo has to be able to get his own, yeah, there's definitely intrigue there. I'm worried about Orlando needs floor spacers. And when the lottery is announced and we did our mock draft immediately following, I took Chet and you said, well, wait a minute. Jabari, just on paper, is better because he stretches the floor. He opens up all those driving lanes for Cole Anthony, for Jalen Suggs, for Franz Wagner to operate a little bit. I think the floor gets even a little bit more crowded with Paolo there. But I don't want to shortchange him after an unbelievable Final Four run that really turned the corner, I think, from a passing perspective about January and put it all together when it mattered, when a lot of these guys were sitting at home watching NCAA tournament games. We've discussed at length 
Paul Bancaro has been awesome during pre-draft. He's in fantastic shape. The jumper looks better. I know it's a, an open gym shooting around by yourself. He's done everything the right way up to this point. So he, without question, warrants consideration for number one. Uh, but we'll get an answer here in, in about 10 minutes. If uh, this was all some weird smokescreen by somebody somewhere, or this was just reality creeping its way out too. Yeah, I and mean, you and I have been incredibly clear on this from the jump, right? Uh, that Polo has been incredible in workouts. So you mentioned that uh, within your little spiel there. I was told that Polo just absolutely looked phenomenal any place that he decided to work out. That he just looked like an incredible physical, like like mismatched nightmare long term that would uh, go into these workouts and just be like six foot 10 and handle the ball at an exceptionally high level and knock down shots in an open court. Like all of the workout, you know, everything that came with that, uh, all of those reports were absolutely stunning, I thought. So let's remain in our fantasy world here. Let's say Paulo goes number one. Not saying it's going to happen. I have no inside information. My phone's right here. I'm no Woj. You would know before I would. Paulo goes do, first. Do you, want, do you want to know what Woj just tweeted? Not really, unless it's done. I, I turned off the notifications, but go ahead. Your show. I mean, Woj, Woj gave us a very good indication. As the Orlando Magic move closer to getting on the clock, Duke's Paulo Bancaro is now looming as a front runner to be the number one oh overall pick God. in the 2022 NBA draft. I mean, the whole thing how did we, is... How did, how, did, how did we get here? So let's... And it's so it's, it's not, great. It's, like, I absolutely yeah, love I'm not, I'm, I'm not rooting against it. I, I like working on the fly here. Let's throw out the scripts if we had any. I don't. I have no notes. We're just going off the cuff here. If Paulo goes one, let's now talk about what happens at two and three. You're Oklahoma City. You're at two. You're the Houston Rockets at three. What happens? I'm assuming it's still going to be some order of Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith Jr. What happens between those two spots? I'm kind of thinking that Chet still goes to Oklahoma City, to be honest. Like, that's what my current read on this is. I mean, it seems like that has been an attempt to orchestrate that the whole way. But then again, like we saw a photo of Jabari Smith uh, doing a thing at uh, like the airport with Sam Presti or whatever, like where he's getting his bags like out of a plane or whatever. So I don't know. Like I'm, I'm thrown now. I think it's probably Chet, but I, I thought it was Jabari at one. So like, who the hell knows? <laughs> Eleven minutes ago, how quickly things change. And then uh, we again, we we've discussed this at, at length. I love Chet's fit anywhere. I think it's great in Oklahoma City because he's not going to be rushed into being the main option. Defensively, he can kind of be the main option, roaming the paint, blocking shots, taking rebounds off the rim pushing the pace, going with Josh Giddy, going with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, have some toughness with Lou Dort, however they want to spread out the rest of the court. Now let's talk Jabari Smith. What does it look like with Jabari Smith Jr., if we're still in our weird semi-upside-down world, with the Houston Rockets? A great fit is a pick-and-pop guy with Jalen Green, right? Like that That's a great pick-and-roll fitness. It's not quite the same as Paulo and Jalen, because I think you can switch that action uh, in a way where if it was Paulo, you wouldn't be able to switch that action necessarily. But I actually really like Jalen Smith as a guy that – or Jabari Smith, I'm sorry. Good God. I'm like all thrown <laughs> off right now. Also, my cat's like trying to break down the door to my <laughs> Go office. Go let him in. Go and, let him in. We're having a party. Yeah. We're letting all these people on YouTube. You can let the cat in. We might get there eventually. 
That's uh, like pick 23. We let the cat in. We're going off the rails. Yeah, we like let the cat in at 23. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think Jabari Smith probably not quite as good of a pick and roll partner as Paulo Bancaro because you're going to be able to switch that action a little bit easier uh, because Jabari is just going to try and shoot over the top as opposed to like punish you and take you down into the post. But I don't know. Like, I, I think it's actually probably a pretty good. I think it's probably a pretty good fit at the end of the day. And if I was Houston, I'd probably be happy with Jabari and I'd be happy with Chet too. And we can talk about that momentarily, but like, I think that it works for uh, Houston. still. absolutely. And with Houston, you ship out Christian Wood, right? So you clear out space regardless of who it is. And we're sort of kind of fitting this similar pieces into holes that don't work with, well, if it is Paulo and you just drafted Alperin Shangun, you have Usman Garuba, who's probably taking a backseat to all this talk, right? But the Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, Alperin Shangun pairing probably works a little bit more cleaner as a four and a five defensively. Jabari can make up for some of those mistakes, guard down the lineup a little bit, threes and fours, maybe rotate for five a, a little bit. Not the shot blocker, clearly that that Chet would be if Chet ends up at three. But I, I like that too. And, and Jabari's translation. It is really clean, and I don't want to shortchange him either because we talk so much about the upside of the other guys. Jabari Smith Jr. is a year younger than Chet Holmgren. He, his developmental yeah. track is, has skyrocketed. He was a, a top-10 kid out of high school. He was in the USAB system. It's not like he came out of nowhere like a Jalen Williams who's surging. We'll talk about that later. But he's continued to improve. At, at Auburn, he, he improved by leaps and bounds. The jumper actually got better. He was more of a mid-range shooter in high school that could take some threes. Now he's a three-point shooter. We're talking about can he make twos. So he's still a, a baby in his track of where he's going to be, and, and I'm really high on, on Jabari Smith Jr. as well, regardless of where he ends up. And if it is Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren in Houston, I like both of their fits defensively better with Alperin Shengun than I do yes. Paulo Bancaro. Uh, now, I like the fit of Paulo Bancaro and Jalen Green more because I think that that two-man game would just be phenomenal. And as much as I like Shangun as a prospect, I don't know that you can like truly consider him necessarily whenever you're like diving deep into this and like trying to create like a high upside team, right? right? You take the best guys at the end of the day. And if you evaluate Paula Bancaro to be the best fit with Jalen Green, you take him. But at the same token, it is worth acknowledging like Chet Holmgren does help to actualize a lot of like, Alper and Shengun on the defensive end. Jabari Smith's mobility and his help side defense does help to actualize Shengun on the defensive end. And Shengun's ability to make plays with the ball in his hand as a passer, as a ball handler, I actually kind of like that. I do too. I have like sold myself on it the last three or four minutes here that it makes a little bit more sense. I'm not worried. I don't use the word worried. There's more of an opportunity, I would argue, for Chet to score more and be this centrical force of everything else if he were three to houston than it would at orlando orlando i feel like already has like an issue of too many guys that want the ball in their hands you add another one with paulo we, we talked about how jabari smith works because they can't shoot from three he's a catch and shoot guy anyway if the off the dribble stuff develops it's another element like paulo wants to have the ball he can pass out of the high post he can pass to the elbow but he wants to catch create make some moves off the bounce i just I'm seeing his touches being a little bit more limited in Orlando. So my uh, rookie of the year pick I made for him about three weeks ago, maybe three months ago when I was trying to justify why I had him at four, but I still really <laughs> like Paul Vancaro. I would take a step back from that just because of the the offensive situation. I thought Jalen Suggs and he didn't shoot as well as we expected his rookie year. I thought he would come out the gates hotter scoring wise, but it was a little bit of a byproduct of just a log jam of 
ones and twos and even some threes that need the ball in their hands. Yeah. It's a good question. I, I don't know what that fit looks like. I mean, let's find out if Paulo actually goes number one. Yeah. Like he, you know, Woj said he's the front runner to go number one now. I mean, just, uh, I, I just want to be very clear here now that we're on the clock, right? Shout out to Jeff <laughs> I, Weltman I, I, and John Hammond. Yeah. Like for them to have kept this under wraps in today's NBA where teams leak left and right, agencies leak left and right, like they deserve an immense amount of credit for having fooled everyone and at the end of the day let's be very very clear fool everyone here like i kind of thought that i wasn't sure what's happening and that made me concerned but nonetheless like this was impressive by orlando's front office even if he doesn't go first i'm impressed I, i am i'm there's there's certain situations that you and i are closer to whether it's for whatever various reasons we'll leave it at that I thought I was pretty close to this one, and I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I really don't have an answer here. So I, I'm as yeah. it's uh, I'm as much anticipating when the commissioner says his name and the State Farm jingle comes off. It's not the traditional jingle, which already has me thrown off. Here he is. So he's taking the stage. I think they put him on the clock now. Uh, let, let's see how we do. Yeah, like I have, um, I have like friends that are betters, right? Like no, nobody knows that, or nobody who is a follower of the show doesn't know that, right? Uh, my text messages are hysterical right now. Uh, Jabari is going number one question mark. Uh, another person in the group chat. I just stopped looking. Stop looking. Uh, <laughs> I'm cracking up as another better. Like, it's just beautiful. This this thing is so beautiful. I'm so excited that we are at a point where we have, you know, we're a minute, we're a minute from this thing happening. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Do you? No, I have no clue. I, I'm going back and forth. There's a clicker, not a remote control. I want to be clear here. I'm going back and forth muting it because I want to see it come out of Adam Silver's lips who this pick is, and, and I don't know the answer. I don't. If it's Jabari Smith, I will never stop laughing. Like, <laughs> for for Why, though? I mean, ESPN, that's, that, that's, that's the guy that we thought, though, collectively, that even if we said it wasn't a done deal, that's the guy we thought would, would likely be the guy. More likely than not. We didn't say 90%, but we thought more likely than not. Yeah, I mean, I I got some questions on how people got this wrong. <laughs> like that's it's kind of where I'm at on this. Like, I I have some real questions why people were as certain as they were on Jabari. Uh, where where was the info coming from? I guess is my question. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm a little bit unclear on that. In fact, I'm like very unclear on that. Let's be very clear on this. Yeah, uh, there, there's a case study because this is Sam Presti 101. And he's picking second. And early in the day, we were like, is this 4D chess that Oklahoma City's bluffing this whole thing and Houston's trying to trade up to number one? And the betters are guessing, is the move to number one because Houston knows that if at two, it's going to be Paulo, that's their guy, they want to make a move. This is real Orlando. Again, I, I can't tip my hat enough to how they handle this process. Yeah, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. But this is this is them too. Like this is not just like Sam Presti doing Sam Presti things. Like Orlando during this regime of Jeff Weltman and John Hammond running the show, they have absolutely been the kind of organization that keeps things under wraps like this. And credit to them. I mean, they they maintained the value of the pick for a potential trade throughout it. They kept everyone guessing. Uh this is this is good work by them. This is very good work by the Orlando front office, you know, and for, you know, they can't make a wrong pick here as long as it's not like Justin Bean, sorry, Justin Bean, 
Like, oh, come as long on, as you like, <laughs> throwing shots at Justin Bieber. He's throw a tweet at him the other day too. Chet wearing mo- a dice. Chet wearing a dice necklace. That's the win of the the fashion so far. Uh, Mark Williams has an MW chain. Paul Bancar has a P five. But I'm going with yeah P five. That looks that looks clean. Oh but, no, I, I already texted Paulo's uh, representation. I was like, no matter what happens tonight, like Paulo's suit absolutely wins tonight. This purple suit is absolutely incredible. We just need to be very clear about that. Me, Mr. Fashion, wearing just like a fucking like Henley, right? But you know, Paulo Henley, suit, Henleys always play. They always play. Unreal. All right, so we're so we're starting now, despite this this long entrance intro here and background of the magic organizations. We're watching our screen. The Orlando Magic are on the clock. So we have five more minutes to wax poetically on uh, on our takes. Well, should we talk? Should we talk fashion? Did you see anything else you like? Like, do we need to talk about Chet trying uh, to get a cameo on what we do in the shadows? <laughs> Like, why? why? Why are you going after my boy so early? I like Malachi Branham's blazer and like a black suit on. Yeah, like yeah that, I saw that cool one. Blazer. I, I like that. Uh, I like Dyson. Jeremy Daniels Sohan has good. a purple suit as well. Yeah, like the, the yellow hair looking like a Batman yeah. villain. I liked him. It looks good. I love it. It's fantastic. Like, I, I, I am all for guys going colorful. Like, I, I don't like the big suit fashion that was. Well, in that's the gone. 90s that was like, two, that was like yeah. 2003, which is so cringy because you look back and I, look, my, my suits were never that baggy. And it was almost like the baggier it was, the more fashionable it was and classy it was. Yeah. So I was like, kind of baggy. Yeah, you like, missed I, that afford, era, though. I couldn't afford all the way baggy. Well, no, I was class of 03 in high school, so that was like LeBron, D-Wade, uh, yeah. whatever. Uh, but it, it's good how it's like it's become like Met Gala type fashion. It's not the Oscars. It's not the NBA drafts. Like what wild stuff can I wear for a year here, for, for a moment in time here, a snapshot? Uh, that'll stand out, and a lot of these guys do. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I think that I, I'm all for guys going as loud as possible as long as the suit is like a suit that fits you well. You know what I mean? Just like get it tailored, handle your shit, make sure it fits well. That's it. That's where I'm at. All right. So on the draft, and I'm, I'm reading subtitles, so I apologize here. Adrian Wojnarowski said he's working under the assumption I could be wrong here because I sometimes the subtitles when they type the closed captioning isn't the best. Working on the assumption that Paul Bencaro is the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And here we go. Here we go. Uh, Let, let's do it. Like, yeah, I just have questions on like how all week people went on TV and the reporting for everyone. This, and, it was this morning. By the, it was this morning. Yeah, it was, a, it was at noon. And, oh, doubling down at noon. Or two and o'clock. yeah, let's be clear. Like, oh, by the way, like the people who told me all of this, like they I probably have pretty similar sources in terms of what other people did. But I, I you just never know with Orlando. Like, and that's not a bad thing. I mean that positively, like. You just don't know with them. And I don't think anyone truly knew at this point. And yeah. and I don't and I don't know if anyone now big board, there's a lot of people at Paul, a lot of Paul believers, right? I don't know if yeah, anyone, yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone really mocked this though. That's the difference. Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Uh, cause look, I have too much going on, right? Like I can't <laughs> go and change my mock draft. Uh, do it at, now. There's you, know, you can do that, right? Yeah, it's seven fifty eight uh, or whatever, which I'm sure someone is gonna do. Uh, yeah, I had it. I had it. I was right. I had it. Yeah, no. Like, uh, number one pick in the draft. Guys. Wild. All right. The the pick is in per TV. I'm gonna hit mute so I can see the the words here. Let's um All right, so let's I, buckle I in. The, the roller coaster is starting, so 
Okay, so the roller coaster is starting. Adam Silver's going up, according to Matt Penny. Uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to see, see what this is. Here's a strut. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh, God. We got the silver strut. By the way, for people you know watching and listening, I do not have my sound on. I do not have a TV on. Matt oh, is watching. Oh my God! It happened. It happened. Paul Bancaro the first pick in the draft. I, I love it. Great. So let's talk about Paula Bancaro's fit God. with the oh, Orlando Mike. Magic. Uh, unbelievable. I need a sec. I need a sec. Despite us talking about it, like I need a second. I there wasn't a world where I thought this was happening. I thought it was Chet or Jabari. I I did not yeah. have my mind in a place where I thought it'd be Paul Bank. Paul Bank. Nothing. Him. He's proven that he's beyond worthy of being the number one pick. He came in too. Like it's this weird roller coaster where preseason he was kind of around that area. And coming out of high school, we said, "Here's a shot blocking guy that can hit threes." And at the grind session out in Arizona, he's doing pick and roll stuff off the dribble. And, and then it was weird. It had a great start to the season. Then he he tapered off. Then he picked it back up. Ended on a high note. I'm shocked. I, I am. Uh, the the fit is interesting. I, I'm shocked they went number one. Shocking pick. Absolutely a shocking pick. Let's talk about the fit, though. Uh, Paulo Bancaro, he is going to go play with Franz Wagner. He's going to go play with Jalen Suggs. They're two lottery picks last year. Uh, Wendell Carter in the front court. Jonathan Isaac is another swing piece here. I actually kind of love the idea of pairing him in a really versatile front court with Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, Paulo Bancaro. You have all sorts of creativity out there. You have shooting with Paulo and Franz. You have the defensive ability, the switch ability, the help defense with Jonathan Isaac. It's interesting. Look, we have no idea what Jonathan Isaac's going to look like, by the way, whenever he Correct. comes back from injury. But like the idea of that is interesting. The fit with Wendell Carter, I would like to see a little bit more. I'd like to understand a little bit more. But again, it's worth noting that teams that saw Paulo Bancaro in the pre-draft process were blown away. Uh, absolutely. They were absolutely, unequivocally blown away by what they saw in his workouts. And uh I am just very surprised. I'm at the point where I am legitimately surprised that Paulo Bancaro is the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. And that's not a slight on Paulo. Like Matt said, I have Paulo at three on my board. I think Matt, you might have him at four. I do. think all these guys are so close. Like, and I like them. I it's, it's not like a distant yeah. force. It's not like two that it falls off a cliff. Like I, I like Paulo. Don't get that twisted either. Yeah. And like, I have all four of these guys in the same tier, including Jade and Ivy. I have Paulo at three. I think that Chet, Jabari, and Paulo were all just so drastically different. Paulo's more of a high-level shot creator. Honestly, Orlando could use like a real high-level shot creator from the front court. That's why this is valuable. Franz Wagner uh, is good at this, but I think he's a little bit better as like a secondary guy. They started to use him in primary ball screens midway through last year, but I think even using him as a secondary guy is going to actually, uh, you know, expedite his development in a real way. Uh Jalen Suggs, this is going to help Jalen Suggs for all the same reasons we talked about Jalen Green in ball screens. Like, again, you're not going to be able to switch Jalen Suggs in ball screens anymore, essentially, because if you do, he's going to throw the ball down to Paulo and he's going to murder these switches. So you're going to allow Jalen Suggs to be able to use his speed to get to the rim. You're going to have a five-out lineup with Paulo, with Wendell Carter, with Franz Wagner. I love it. Like, I actually love the offensive fit. They do have good defensive guards, Jalen Suggs. Uh, Markel Fultz has done a really good job defensively recently. I, I'm in. I, I'm in on Paulo Bancaro as the number one overall pick, even though it wouldn't have been what I would have done. I think all three of these guys are so close that I'm I'm 
reason I think this is a reasonable pick by all stretches. Absolutely reasonable. Does this say anything to Orlando's want and desire to win right now? We've talked about Chet Holmer. It's going to take a while to get there. Jabari Smith is probably take a while to get there. Regardless of where he had Paulo throughout this whole process, we said he's the most ready right here, right now. He is. I, I don't think that's really like us making some wild declaration. Does this speak to Orlando trying to push ahead of schedule? They're, they're not going to try to stay in the lottery. They want to crawl out as quickly as possible w- with getting this guy who's as productive he, as he is against different types of players, size from the wing, uh, from the perimeter, from the mid post, or am I just overreading this thing as, as usual? I, I don't think that you make the number one overall pick based on trying to compete. Now. I think that you're making this pick based off of who you think the best player is, who you think the best long-term player is. Orlando's not that close to competing in the East. Like, let's be real with it. Maybe if Paulo is good next year, they could make a run at the 10, make a run at the play in. But I see this more as being a, they just evaluated Paulo Bancaro would be the number one player in the draft, as many people within the media sphere and within the NBA team side did. They absolutely did. Like, it is not a situation where the top two guys on everyone's board are Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. It's oh, yeah, like that right. on my board. I absolutely like Chet Holmgren and Jabari just a little bit more because I think their games are a little bit more scalable to winning. But I also think Paulo is probably the best shot creator in this class. And for scouts on the NBA side, executives on the NBA side that value shot creation above all, that's why this guy is the number one overall pick right now. Paula Bancaro, number one, the Orlando Magic. Who? Not mad at it. So we need a camera. Uh, I know they're having a party. I need a shot of Andrew Schlecht. I do. This is his time. OKC pick is in. Here we go. We're doing a strut to the the altar here. Hitting mute. Let's go ahead. Okay, so we we got silver going up to the mic. Oklahoma City up at number two. Uh, the expectation here throughout the process has been Chet Holmgren. The expectation was that Jabari Smith would not be on the board. Let's go. So, Chad, Chad Holmgren, Gonzaga goes number two. Long been mocked here. Oklahoma City gets their guy. Fits everything that they do. I love the pairing. Chet said during the whole pre-draft thing that he wanted, or at least his camp was saying, he wanted to be there. He, he liked the city. He liked the franchise. He liked the organization. He liked the way they did stuff, how they're building, how it could be a, a building block of what they're doing. Uh, I love it, and I love it that – it's a little bit out of the public spotlight too. Obviously, you're an NBA team you can't hide, but you're not going to be on national TV every single game. Uh, so he can develop in 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 time. It doesn't have to be a, a thing where from day one he has to step in and, and be option one on that team. And, and it's appealing to me because when he's at Gonzaga, he averaged 14 and just under 10 rebounds, three-ish blocks, shot 40% from three. There's so much more that he can do. There's so much more stuff that we saw in the grassroots circuit with him going off the dribble, being uh, an offensive hub uh, with trailing the play and finishing out of the dunker spot and doing stuff in the mid-range, making some passing. He bought into what his role was at Gonzaga. He was the third or fourth option. He was okay with that. If he's just what he was at Gonzaga as a third or fourth option, that's still a guy I like at the number two pick. I would have taken him number one. If he reaches all these things to put together, we say he gets a little bit stronger. He takes it off the dribble a little bit better. If those things come together, he's going to be a, an unbelievable talent, even more so that we've seen in the public eye here while he's in college. Can 
you just speak to, look, you've spent more time than anyone around Chet Holmgren among people in the public sphere, right? Like, let's yeah. just be real about that. He was on the Under Armour circuit where you like literally work and coordinate events yeah. year round. You've known Chet for years now at this point. Uh, can you just speak to his competitiveness and his uh, professionalism and all of the intrinsic things that he has as a prospect that make him so special? It reminds me of that, uh, the, the gif, the meme, whatever, the pictures going around of uh, a guy sending an x-ray with a dog in him. He's like, what's that? He's like, oh, I got that dog in me. Jen Holmgren has that dog in him. Don't let the size, don't let him being skinny fool you. He is as physical as you can imagine for someone who's seven feet tall, weighs less than 200 pounds, and has a, a seven foot five or six wingspan. He just keeps going, man, like and on, on offense, on defense. Uh, if he gets dunked on, he's back up the next play. He doesn't care. I've seen Chet get dunked on a dozen times. And a lot of times with prospects and players, they get dunked on. The next play, they kind of shy away. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Making a business decision. Chet's business decision is like being in traffic. Like being in the area. I'm going to be around the rim. I'm going to block your shot. And when he gets going and starts talking to it a little bit and, and letting you know that he's going to score down the other end, uh, he's a different guy. And playing with Jalen Suggs on grassroots sizzle on our circuit – and then he was kind of robbed of that grassroots season to be the number one guy because it was the COVID year. Uh, we saw the the clips of it, and we saw the bits of it. We played Imani Bates on national TV, and he was the guy taking off the dribble. Called timeout. He's like, I'm that dude. That's me. I'm that dude. This is my yeah. thing right here. That's what you can expect from him. Seriously. I mean, yeah. even if he gets Literally, on, he's like, going to hit a three and, and tell you afterwards, like, yeah, I'm going to get you next time. Watch. There are multiple clips of him going around uh, doing media for the NBA draft saying, who do you think the best player in the NBA is? And he goes, uh, me in two months. (laughs) Like, love the guy. He's just the best. Let's talk about the fit with Oklahoma City, though, because we got to keep moving. uh, We're going. We're rolling. Uh, I love this fit. I think it's absolutely critical that for Oklahoma City to build in the vision that they've wanted to build in over the course of the last little while, they needed a guy like Chet Holmgren. They want to have guys – Five guys on the court at all times that can grab and go on the break, start the offense, uh, can knock down shots. They want to play five out in the half court offensively. Chet Holmgren's going to allow you to do that. But the thing is that it's really hard to find guys that can do that, that also can hold up defensively. And Chet Holmgren, I think, has potential to be an all-defense caliber player. I've never seen someone that has his anticipation defensively. It's unbelievable. The way that he reads plays coming from the weak side, the way that he reads plays coming from like the weak side elbow, uh, his pick-and-roll positioning is absolutely elite for someone who just turned 20 years old. He is a staggeringly impressive, intelligent prospect uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I absolutely adore this pick in every way because it actualizes everything that Oklahoma City has built under Mark Dagnall over the course of the last couple of years. And still ways to go. I want to be very, very clear about that. I'm taking this guy one. They're taking him two. Year one, at the end of year one, if you think that he's the eighth best player, you start saying it's a bust, tweet about why we did this, you're not here for for the the whole experiment. This is going to be a multi-multi-year thing. Yes, can his body withstand more weight? Can it withstand the physicality of playing in the NBA 82-plus games a year? That's stuff that we're, we're going to find out. Uh, he played at USA Basketball last year as a grown man. It was was MVP of U19. Uh, people would argue it might be should have been Victor Wambayama, but Jay Nive was there. Uh, we saw he at least held his own at, at times against bigger, stronger players. This is a process, and Oklahoma City is committed to theirs. They have a million picks. Uh, this is a great guy to build around as a building block for the future. Okay, and we're closing in on Houston soon, right? We are. Pick is in, waiting for the strut, the silver strut, but the pick is in. 
Well, how did we start on the silver strut? I don't how know. It's just a little alliteration. Here? You can rename it if you want as you go here. No, I'm in on it. I dig it. <laughs> I'm here for the silver strut. I just want to know. Needs, he needs his own entrance music when it hits. It's like, oh, here he comes. Here he comes again. Uh, better I, suit. I, I like, people People in the comments, better suit Matt Penny's or Adam Silver's. I'm going to go with Adam Silver's. His is probably significantly more expensive. This is for my cousin's wedding. And um, I, I think I like have my name on the inside here somewhere. It says my name. But Important it's, question. It's, it's, it's did, still did you wear this? Did you wear the suit to Rothstein's wedding? Uh, not this one. No. Similar color, but not okay. this one. Pick is in. Yeah. Here we go. Adam Silver. Let's do it. Houston Rockets drafting third overall. Yeah, the Houston Rockets, uh, from what I gather, they I thought that they really liked Paulo Bancaro. I don't know that this is a surprise to them, but uh, I think that I don't know there will be disappointment because you're ending up with Jabari Smith, but I think they probably wanted Paulo Bancaro, to be honest. Yeah, they they, they probably do, uh, but it's okay, right? We we talked here. I love the fit. Like, I, I love the fit in Houston, how he's going to be able to play right away as, as a floor spacer. He's going to help Jalen Green even off the ball, too. Jalen Green wants to create. Those driving lanes are, are going to be a lot more open when you have a guy you have to hug up to on the perimeter who's going to shoot less than 40% from NBA three for sure, but he'll get there to be mid thirty ish his rookie year. I would imagine. Uh, I love his intensity. I think he brings a, a chip on his shoulder to that locker room too, where he bought in all the time in Auburn. Did he have the ball in advantageous places all the time in offense? No, he didn't, but he didn't huff and puff. He yelled at the bench a little bit, but Bruce Pearl talked a lot about how he loved that fire that he had. That like you cross those lines into practice, yeah. cross those lines into the games. He was a different player. They played him on top of the press. They played him on the wing a little bit in in the post and the paint. The things he needs to work on. I, I like the handle to get tighter. I like him to create a little bit more off the dribble. Uh, the synergy numbers and advanced stats will tell you that the few number of twos they've taken is alarming. I, I just argue it's more of kind of like the system and, and what he was asked to do too. There's more to his game similar to Chet Holmgren that he showed at Auburn. Just because he he played into what Bruce Pearl and they wanted to do, great season ended up being number one in the country. Disappointing finish, losing against the NCAA tournament, but I, I love him too. I'd be happy with him at number three. So Jabari Smith has my favorite moment from this college basketball season when against Syracuse he came down and made like multiple shots in a row. And then just immediately looked at Jim Beheim and started screaming at him. <laughs> I don't remember what he said exactly, but like it was along the lines of how in the fuck are you guarding this guy? Are you letting me guard this guy or uh, this guy guarding me? Basically, it was unbelievable. Uh, second thing, he's my favorite move in this class. Like he'll try. Oh, and, you, you, I love this. You talked about this in your draft guide, too. I agree. Yeah, he'll go left hand dribble. He'll spin and then he'll rise up. In turn, with his left foot forward, uh, right foot behind, so wrong-footed in terms of his ability uh, to be aligned as a right-handed shooter, and then he'll realign in midair. And because his release point is so high, he—you have a smile on your face. What? what keep what going. Keep happened? talking. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll okay. jump in a minute. Just, just some good witty comments and banter here that I want to share. Okay, uh, he will rise up and realign in midair, and the shot is basically unguardable. Like for someone who is six foot ten with that high release point, who shoots as well as he does, yeah. uh, he's going to be able to get to that shot almost whenever he wants. I think he's been a bit underrated as a shot creator, in my opinion. Uh, I- I'm impressed. I'm very, very impressed with Jabari Smith. I am a fan, uh, and 
I think that a big part of the two-point stuff is that he takes a lot of mid-range jumpers, and on top of that, he didn't have guards that created easy two-point shots for him. Uh, a lot of the time, the synergy stuff is a little bit contextless uh, in terms of like bigs that are creating shots around the basket. He had to self-create almost everything going toward the rim uh, in half-court settings. So that number is obviously going to be just a little bit lower, I think. Yeah, totally. And And when I saw him live, when I saw them play – Kentucky at Auburn. He had a few plays where he jab stepped and just like kind of shot over the top of a guy who wasn't small. He was still like six six, and it was like there was no chance to block that. Once he had a little bit of separation creation space, it, it was a done deal. So if he does that a little bit more and adds like a counter into a two dribble pull up or one more dribble and go to the rim and dunk it, uh, great, great game, great all around game. Uh, modern forward that you you strive to get. Uh, Sacramento pick is in. I was laughing because someone tweeted at me is Poku and Chet. Sam Vecini's dream front court. So I, I laughed yes. when I that with you. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, we got Poku. We got Chet. Are they the Spider-Man, Jeff, like court. pointing at each other? Like, wait a minute. Are you, are you the Yeah, we're Schlecht. <laughs> Schlecht. If he's, Schlecht he's yelling. Not he's here, probably sure. still he's yelling. doing his own but, thing. They're but probably like, moved on and trying to figure out the 12th pick. <laughs> if we move up, is, are we getting the fourth pick? Are we getting fifth? Whatever. He's, he's probably losing it. Yeah, but – Schlecht, I need you to go create a Spider-Man GIF with Chet Holmgren's face and Poku's face. That's Put it on a t-shirt. Or, I'll buy it. I'll be no, the first Alex one. Spears, someone like that, please. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the, the pick is in here. Sacramento Kings. Some have argued this is where the draft starts. Let's see where we go here. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory 
to claim your account. NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. And it looks like there's been a report that they're keeping it, right? So they're keeping number four. Matt Penny is silent because he's watching on TV. His face is fucking hilarious for people that are watching on the stream. The Kings uh, are so the Kings took Keegan Murray from Iowa. Uh, okay, who I'm, who let's I'm do it. Very very high on as someone who averaged 24 points per game, uh, ran it up all year long, shot nearly 40% from three. He was unbelievable in transition, uh, got so much better and, and rode into that role as the, the primary scorer post Luca Garza. Wasn't somebody who just did it against non-conference players, did it in the Big Ten, did the Big Ten tournament, had like six threes in a game or eight threes in a game. Uh, the best line of the pre-draft process, I'm a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old's body, very late bloomer, uh, left and went to DME Academy in Florida, considered going to JUCO, came back, great high-character kid. He's a worker, said really all he does is play basketball and, and some video games here and there. I love this. It, it's hard for me because still the guy I, I want is Jaden Ivey, uh, but I love Keegan Murray, so the Kings are putting like my brain in like a weird place where I, I love the pick for Keegan. I, I still think probably Ivey's the guy. Um, so let's, let's, talk, let's talk Keegan Murray to the Kings before we go on to the next point I got here. So to me, this, I don't know, like this. Come this on, get excited. Is, He's good. We love him. He's had a great year. I, I dragged you. I pulled you to like him. And you still put him eighth in your draft guide. And we'll, <laughs> we'll argue about that forever. But you had him like 10th or 12th. You came around. Sell everybody else who's still on the fence who just says, hey, this is a, this is just a productive yeah. player. How does this work? So, like, look, I, I think he's probably going to be – Something along the lines of Tobias Harris, who has averaged 18 points a game, six rebounds, three assists, and shot like 48, 40, and 86 uh, in terms of shooting splits over the course of the last five years. If you get that guy at number four, you're not disappointed, I don't think, right? Like, I I think you're probably going to be pretty happy. And I think that Keegan Murray is going to be able to step in relatively soon and be able to play. Now, the problem is that I have... Jaden Ivey, a full tier ahead. Honestly, like if if a team would have taken Keegan Murray at five, I would get that. I have Keegan in the same tier as the rest of these guys other than Jaden. Like I'm cool with it. And he fits what Sacramento could need. Like you pair him with Harrison Barnes in between he and Damanis Sabonis. You have these quick guards in De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell. They're going to get him the ball. and He's going to be able to run out in transition with De'Aaron Fox. They're going to have Damanis Sabonis as the trailer to reset their offense whenever things get going. I get it. Like I, I do. I worry about the defensive fit in terms of foot speed with Damanis Sabonis to a very sh- – like strong level to where I actually don't know how good of a fit this, like we can talk right. about the position. I agree fit, with that. Right. Yep. Of Jaden Ivy and just taking multiple guards. And that's a problematic fit. We should also talk about the fact that I don't love the fit of Keegan Murray and Devonta Sabonis at the four and the five because of the foot speed offensively. I think it's going to go fine. And I think Sacramento is going to be probably a top 10 offense, like relatively soon, if not even like next year. Uh, I really, really, really worry about the defense with these guys, though. 
I, I do too. And, and that's why I rallied for a long time. You haven't been to the playoffs since 2006, a 16-year drought. Take the best guy on the board. I, I can't say this enough. I love Keegan Murray. I have him fifth. I wish I could have had him higher. I really do. Still, Jaden Ivey probably works. And I, I know that's not the cleanest pairing with De'Aaron Fox. And neither of those guys really want to play defense too much either. Please, Detroit, please take Jaden Ivey. I need a backcourt of Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham. I need somebody off the ball with him to be able to boogie and he can take a few plays off and not have to do everything. I was disappointed when Detroit kind of fell out of that top three because I thought they'd get a big, or, or maybe Ivy. Maybe they really wanted him as the guy. We've heard rumblings. Maybe it's Shaden Sharp. Jalen Dern has gotten some crazy late buzz here too. I, I, I just, before it even happens, I'm saying I would love the pairing of, I've overused this, but like the fire and ice of the different styles that you have between Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. I said the same thing about Tyrese Halliburton and Jaden Ivey. They're so different that you keep the defense in their heels because if you're all frantic, speeding around, covering Jaden Ivey, and then you have the slow pace of Cade that hits a guy off a back door and a bounce pass, and then on Cade the next time, you fall asleep, Jaden Ivey hits the Baja burst and takes off, and you hit him. It's it's a different game. It, it opens up so many different things for for the Pistons. Well, it looks. Here, here's the I'll, thing. I'll, I'll, I'll say this too in the background. Don't want to read too far into it. Jaden Ivey has his hands down on his head, looks emotional. I'm hoping it's foreshadowing for this next pick here. Well, let's 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 close on Sacramento real quick because I don't even think the pick is in yet. Is it? Uh, pick is in. No strut. Pick yet, is so in. Quick. quick. Okay. Let's. Let, Let's close on Sacramento real quick. Look, Keegan Murray's a great player. Keegan Murray is going to be a valuable piece for Sacramento moving forward. I think that the obvious move, if you're taking Keegan Murray or taking someone in that tier, is to trade back. And I think Monty McNair is a smart guy. I think that he is very smart when it comes to value. I wonder... um, I wonder about some things here with the Kings is what I will say. Uh, I am, I'm very intrigued uh, by what the Kings do moving forward here. Uh, do they try and add another veteran piece? Maybe like, I think that's pretty possible. Yeah. This is a team that seems like they're clearly trying to go and win sooner rather than later because they haven't made the playoffs in a decade and a half. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. All right. So the, the pick is in, we're having no strut yet, but Jaden Ivey is his head down at the table. I'm feeling good. I think I like my favorite fit so far. If this happens, come on, do it. All right, the strut. Here we go. Hit mute. Sam, it's your show for the next 10 seconds. It's my show here for the next 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, I mean, have you guys seen the thumbnail that Jacob and Zach created? Like, doesn't Matt Penny just look like a Dunder Mifflin employee, as uh, I believe that Zach so eloquently put it? You know what's the fun? So, so, <laughs> So Jaden Ivey goes to Detroit. I love this. Give me all the, the the stock, the pairings, whatever. A quick Thunder Mifflin note. When I was in college, people likened me to uh, Jim Halpert. I got that a lot. You're, you're Jim from the office. The last three weeks, I've had three different people from different walks of life say, you look like a lot like that guy from The Hangover that uh, was also in the office. I'm like, when did I become Ed Helms? That's fine. Eat yeah, I'm a little bit. <laughs> it's the hair, maybe, I think. It's like the, the, long the hair, head, I get. The hair, yeah. whatever. I, I'm old. I'm washed. Yeah. Uh, but let's okay, celebrate Jade Jaden Ivey. Ivey you're yeah, up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, you're, you're up here. I, I started with Keegan. Uh, so, this, yeah, this is a fit that I've talked about for a while. I absolutely love the fit of Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey is the backcourt of the future for the Detroit Pistons. The reason for that is Jaden excels in transition. He excels with his ability to get downhill. The thing that Cade, like, is 
somewhat questionable about is his ability to beat a guy off the bounce going in a yeah. straight line. Like he needs to dance with the ball a little bit. Jaden, there's no dancing. He's just zooming and fucking oh, yeah. going to the basket. <laughs> like his, his first step is absolutely exceptional. He gets downhill. Absolutely like that. I think that's exactly what the Detroit Pistons with the core of guys like, um, with a core of guys, sorry, I just got a text uh, about Keith Murray and was laughing. Uh, with laugh, a core good. of Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, guys that aren't crazy, crazy athletes, I think that getting a guy like Jaden right. Ivey who can zoom, who can pick up the pace, I think is great. I also love the idea of using Jaden Ivey in a similar role to what he had at Purdue, actually, where he was the second side creator, yeah. where you know, Cade's going to bend the defense. He's going to dance. He's going to get into the paint because he's so effective at that. And then he's going to swing it over to Jaden Ivey. It's going to be impossible for teams to stay in front of him. You're going to be scrambling. You're going to be trying to get back in front of Ivey. And you're going to be in constant scramble mode as a defense. I love this fit. I think it's fantastic. Jaden Ivey, number five, to the Detroit Pistons. Right. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll say this, too. There's NBA scouts and people that uh, love Cade Cunningham, but they sometimes argue, like you said, sometimes they argue, is he actually your, your primary creator, right? Is he is he actually the guy that needs to be on the ball off the time because he can't create that initial separation? Now, crunch time, you have two different options where I want Cade to have the ball in his hands. They can both sort of play off the ball. Like you can have that that weak side of, all right, swung over there to the right. Here comes Jaden Ivey. He's going to drive and kick. Somebody has to help. Now Cade has a step on his man. He can drive and kick out to Sadiq Bay, who's still a solid shooter. And they have cap room. So now, now, let, let's say they sign DeAndre Ayton, who's been rumored to go there. If you're three, four guys that you're rolling out there is Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bay, and DeAndre Ayton, you got a lot better in the offseason. Totally. And then on top of it, there's some talk about them trying to get another guard, right? Like I've seen uh, Colin Sexton's name bandied about. I wonder if this changes mm-hmm. that a little bit because I don't I, I really so. know that you need someone like this now that you have Jaden Ivey. But I adore the pick. Uh, I think that Jaden Ivey is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal fit uh, with the Detroit Pistons. Now, uh, at number six, we have the Indiana Pacers. And are, they, are, are they heartbroken of what's happened to you the last couple of picks? Maybe, maybe possibly. I, I think they did really want, I've written this previously. I think they wanted Keegan and Jaden for sure. But I also think that they had an understanding that it was unlikely that those two would fall to six and that to move up, they would have to probably get four. So for your, your last second reaction here, prediction, the pick is in. Any names? Uh, I'm, my, my guess would be uh, somebody I'm, who played out in Arizona. Uh, that's my guess as well. Probably Ben Matherin. Yeah. And like, you know what? Kind, yeah, kind of a hedge because Shaden Sharp played high school in Arizona. So if, if it goes oh the other way, I'll be like, oh, God, see, gotcha. Wow. Hey, boom. Let's go. No, but I was referring I will to ben, say ben, like, ben Matherin is my, my pick here. Another guy crushed pre-draft, so I would not be surprised. Here. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I've heard that the Pistons – or not the Pistons, the Pacers, I'm sorry. Like that there isn't a ton of clarity for people within the league. Like Ben Matherin went and killed workouts. He killed workouts in Detroit, killed workouts in Indiana. Um was absolutely phenomenal every place that he went. But yeah, wait, do we do we have a we're strut. We have a pick here, man. Stand by. Stand we're by strutting. strut. Silver strut. Here we go. We got it. Here it comes. Matt Penny's face. Glued to the TV. Oh, we got this one right, Sam. Benedict Matherin is off the board right. to the Indiana Pacers. This came about a few weeks ago that he was sort of becoming their target there. They fell in love 
with his interview process, with how he approached the pre-draft. He was in unbelievable shape. He ripped apart everybody that's put in front of him. I didn't just hear that from one team. That was multiple teams uh, and been through it. And I'll let you talk about his background, his personal story. He was humbled, as you've called out, his freshman year at Arizona. He went back. He got a lot better. He added more than just being a 3 and D guy. He was a lot more assertive. He was better in transition. I want him to be better even coming off screens and making a little bit quicker decisions. He's the best when it's two to three dribbles. It's not five to six. Uh, I want him to play a little bit more defense, but for the immediacy of shot making, I, I like that fit with with the Pacers. And now you can really spread out the floor with Chris Duarte, with Tyrese Halliburton. Who knows what happens with Malcolm Brogdon, but either way, a, a good shooter to add to the core that you have. Yeah, I love it. Uh, this is a guy that I think we've kind of underrated his star potential. I had him at number five on my board. This would have been my pick here uh, if I was the Indiana Pacers. He is very young. Like he is like five or six months younger than Dyson Daniels, who's a guy that like is a one and done. Uh, he's not that he's like under a year younger than Shaden Sharp, if I remember correctly. Like he yeah. just turned 20 years yeah. old. So Ben Matherin is someone that has improved his ball skills drastically. He hit 40% from three last year and he did it off the catch. He did it off of movement. I think he probably would have been like, Matt said he kind of got humbled last year. I think he probably would have been a first-round pick if he come out last year, to be honest. He, 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 he would have. I mean, we, we talked about him being the 20s, but you had called out in, in podcasts in the past yeah. that like he took his medicine, though. He said, okay, I have to go back and work yeah, on yeah, XYZ yeah. if I want to be in the top 10. How do I make that leap up to the next level? And the big things were handling the ball, being more of a threat off the bounce, being able to relocate and shoot off the bounce, being able to drive – jump stop, make decisions on the fly. I think that's the thing that went really underrated about him over the course of the second half of his season at Arizona. Really, really good passer. Uh, really high-level passer now uh, once he gets into the paint. Like not Tyrese Halliburton level or not even Jaden Ivey level because Jaden can make some reads that I think are pretty real. But if you look at the assist numbers, like Ben Matherin averaged pretty damn near the same number of assists that Jaden Ivey did uh, over the back half of their seasons. So... Yeah, I love this fit. He does need to work on defense. Like right now, and this could have been role. This could have been a number of things, right? There could be a number of reasons why he just maybe didn't have the energy because he was asked to do so, so much at Arizona. But he wasn't really a second and third effort guy on defense. And no, I think wasn't. that he will need to do that in the NBA. Uh, Matherin, uh, this is a great fit to Indiana. I love a backcourt of him. Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte. These guys are all very skilled very good shooters, uh, really can dribble past shoot at a high level. This is a uh, this is a good, fun core for the Pacers, and I'll be interested to see what they do with some of the veterans now moving forward, uh, such as Malcolm Brogdon. If I was them, I'd be trying to extend Miles Turner as much as I could. Yeah. I like the idea of using him, A, because he's not that far off of the developmental timeline of some of these guys, uh, especially Chris Duarte, who is probably like, Miles Turner's six stage, years older. <laughs> yeah. Um, Get old, stay old, baby. On top of that, like, I think that Miles is a really good player and he would help the development of all of these younger guards as well with his ability to space the floor, with his defensive uh, ability around the basket. So I'm a big fan. Uh, I love this pick. Ben Matherin, Indiana Pacers. Any other thoughts, Matt? No, you, you, you nailed it. That That's a good, uh, coverage there i i had that like that was one of the picks that i think a lot of people mocked correctly like that that buzz had, had been out there this is now that we're closing this book and 
as we've gone to commercial here on the, the live feed, there's two minutes left till Portland makes their pick. I'm really like into this one. I, I we've heard some Dyson Daniels. Uh, I could see Shaden Sharp. How dependent on this in your mind on Damian Lillard? How much say does he have in this pick knowing that he wants to win? He wants to win now. Probably doesn't want a project, but I don't know how many non-projecty guys we have right now. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think that it's probably going to be one of Shaden Sharp or Dyson Daniels. I don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, I've been going back and forth, as I mentioned, on the uh, mock draft I did, the second to last mock I did. Shaden Sharp is a guy that Mike Schmitz, the new assistant general manager in Portland, is a big fan of. And if Mike is going to have say there at all, if Mike has some sway in the room already, uh, which he should, and I'm sure he will as the assistant GM, uh, Shaden Sharp is a real tangible option here. On top of that, I will note sources throughout the league will tell you that Joe Cronin, who was the assistant general manager under Neil Olshay until Neil Olshay was dismissed and Joe Cronin got the head job. They would tell you that Joe Cronin was the guy, you know, that would kind of go for the upside guy that he was the, you know, player that, or the guy that would be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's take Anthony Simons. Let's take Greg Brown, you know, the, the high level athletes, right? On the right. other side, you have Dyson Daniels. And I think Dyson Daniels, you know, has a very high level potential to be a role player, but you know, we'll see where who, it goes. Who I've argued and discussed here is even better. Like, I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's a good passer from the two or the three. And you have Anthony Simons, you have Dame Lillard. That's like a bigger guy at six foot seven, six foot eight, who can help defensively, but also can make those passing reads from the side and not from the, the top of the key. So I, I, I get it as a, as a pick. I'm a little bit lower on Jason Daniels than you. Looking at my board, I have him 11th. Uh, this is not the 11th pick, but hey, it, it's in that range for the fit. I, I could see it if they go that way. Yeah, do you, do you even have Sharp? We're strutting. You know, We're strutting. We're do you strutting. Have, do you have Sharp at number seven even? Like, are you- uh, yes. Hold on. Stand by. Okay. We're standing by. Matt Penny letting us know who the pick is. Shaden Sharp. Let's go. Okay. So my initial instinct on this was right. I'm very angry that I switched <laughs> oh, this in the mind. <laughs> Because I mean, it was right. I had a feeling that this would be the direction that Mike would go, and I kind of got talked off of it from people who thought it would be Dyson Daniels at seven. Right. Um, look, I mean, we literally have like evidence of audio, audio evidence of Mike talking about. <laughs> you Shane did a Sharp deep dive into this, in man. Portland. You you did. This is some of your best work. Honest to God. Yeah. Like, like wait a minute. He went was on back. a pod- You said yesterday. You sent me a podcast from like May twelfth. Before Mike was even an assistant GM said, look, man, I found this. I'm like, what? And on yeah. it, he was, he was saying how much he loves Shaden Sharp. He buys it, the build, the frame, the mold. Uh, I have Shaden. And particularly six, six buys board, the fit yeah, for Portland, to be clear. <laughs> like, it was not just, I'm just a fucking idiot. Like, why would I move him off of Dyson Daniels? Um, okay. So Shaden Sharp, give the breakdown on Shaden Sharp, please, Matt, uh, in terms of who he is uh, as a player. We we joke and, and we overuse the word upside. It's turned into a drinking game for some people during the draft, but he is Mr. Upside. He is Mr. Mystery Man at six foot six with a six ten wingspan. Uh an NBA build and frame and body, as as some would say, can create off the dribble, off the bounce. An exceptionally explosive athlete, especially in transition. As a guy on the weak side of the floor when the ball is shifted over to him, he rips through, takes one dribble, and tries to rip the rim off. Shot it really, really well his last grassroots season in the UIBL, over 42% from three, I believe. Uh, looked good in workouts, 
but he didn't play Kentucky. So that's what the mystery is. He enrolled there. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? So all the film and tape that us in the outside world had to evaluate was him playing in the grind session as they show highlights behind me in Arizona. It was in back gyms in Augusta, Georgia. It's a different barometer and a different lens that we'd look through from other guys, but he fits the bill as a type of guy and wing at the two or three that NBA teams covet and Portland's taking a dice roll on it. They're saying this is the guy that that fits kind of what we want to do going forward. If he hits, he could be a top three guy in the draft. There's been analysts that say this is the guy that should be number one if he played in college. I tend to disagree. I think he'd probably be in the same range if he went back to school. The process has been clunky, but credit to him and his team. He's he's a, a top ten pick here. He's going seventh to a great organization that develops their guys. So kudos to, to that whole crew. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this organization does have a real track record of getting guys better uh, yeah. since Damian Lillard has been there. Just being real with it, right? You look at Anthony Simons. It's a like, frankly, they have gone through this exact process that they're about to go through before with Shaden Sharp when they drafted Anthony Simons out of prep school four years ago. I guess that was right. That would have been right. three or four years ago. Uh, I think four years ago now. They've gone through this. They know what it takes. They know how to bring a guy along slowly. On top of it, like, I don't know that there was anyone on the board here that was like significantly going to help them in their playoff push next year. Maybe right. Dyson. Like, I think yeah. Dyson probably could have played real minutes, but at the end of the day, I really do think that Shaden Sharp, uh, is a real legitimate, uh, shot creator who at the very least, I think will be able to get buckets off the bench. I- I'm not yeah. a thousand percent convinced about his half court ability to get to the rim. I think that. He decelerates really well. I don't love the first step quite as much as other people do in the half court. I think you also see that a little bit on defense where he can get beaten a little bit more often than what you would expect for someone who is this high level of an athlete out in transition. Um, yeah, I'll but be that, interested. But that power that he has when you see yeah. the transition, that extra gear. So I think that's there in the half court, but you have to unlock it. Also, yeah. God, it hasn't played yeah. competitive games in five on five for two years. So if you think he's going to come in and start, He's not like he's gonna need reps. I wouldn't be against throwing the G League, and that's not a slight. I'm saying like get your reps. Well, here, here's here's the thing: the the Blazers don't have G League team. Yeah, but so, they partner with somebody, right? I mean, they don't have like their hands on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But whatever. I, I wouldn't throw this kid into the fire because he is a kid. Like he didn't play in the SEC this year. He played in practice. Well, well, and here's the thing: the Blazers have not done that previously. They don't throw guys into the fire. They keep them up with the big team typically is what they've done in the past when Neil Olshay was running the show. And they let them learn from the younger guys. They did this with Nasir Little. They did this with uh, Anthony Simons. Yeah, they continue to do it. Like they did it with Gary Trent as well. Uh, th- they have a very good track record of figuring out how to best make these young guys uh, and, work. And the Simons one is right on the money because – after the first year, I talked to people like, ah, Simons makes sense. Like, no, 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 they love him. They love him. They don't want to rush it. They know he's really, really good, can score the basketball, but they don't have to play yeah. him 30 minutes a night in here. He was able to do that when Damian Lillard was out last season. Uh, we have the strut. Norland Pelicans are on the clock. Adam Silver is walking to the podium. Let's get nuts. Let's see what we got. All right. What do we got, Matt Penny? What do we got? He's just, he's staring. He refuses to speak because he's on mute right now. And all right, you are on the clock. Dyson Daniels from the land down yep. under Sam Bassini. Yeah, it's 
Uh, Dyson's great. I'm a big fan. Dyson is the best uh, guard defender in this class, depending on like how you want to define Jeremy Sohan and Tari Eason in terms of like their switchability and their ability to defend out in space. Uh, I think Dyson's going to do a better job of guarding like actual guards in the NBA than anyone in this draft class. He is uh, absolutely terrific at getting through screens. He fights, he scratches, he claws. Uh, he is also a really good decision maker. He is almost like the comparison I've been making is like if you can imagine like Lonzo Ball going to Villanova and then teaching him (laughs) like how to jump stop all the time and like get into the paint, jump stop, survey, and then like make a great decision. Not that Lonzo was a bad bad decision maker or anything. I'm looking at Matt's face and he's just like bugging out right now. Um, I'm I'm, I'm processing. I'm listening. I'm watching. I'm texting. Who's up next? I'm I'm just it's it's the scramble. Point equations out of the sky. Keep going. You're you're the the big thing with the big thing with uh, Dyson is he is a phenomenal headman passer. He's a phenomenal playmaker. He's incredibly unselfish. uh, Makes cross corner kickout reads. Throws lobs with real touch. I think this is a perfect fit for New Orleans. Like this is a team that lost Lonzo Ball last offseason to the uh, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Now they get Dyson Daniels, who is a, essentially like a cheaper Lonzo replacement Ball for Lonzo. Esque. Yeah, esque. Yeah. Which fits in like a pretty real way. Dyson's six foot seven. Um, you know, six foot ten and a half wingspan. He is. Uh, he's someone that is very switchable. He fits a lot of what the Pelicans look for in terms of versatility. Yeah, this is all around great for Dyson. I think. It is. I, I would have liked them to add a little bit more shooting to that core. When we did our prospect videos, one of the fits we did like was New Orleans Pelicans for Dyson Daniels. A little surprise, I think, with Portland taking Shaden Sharp to pick before it threw like a little bit of wrinkles and stuff because we've a lot of the buzz has been Usman Jang was the guy here at eight for the New Orleans Pelicans. That didn't mm. happen. Uh, no, no, not 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 over Dyson. Yeah, no, it, it's well, always well, been Dyson over. So that's yeah. my so that's my point though. The the pick before Dyson Daniels, if he had gone seventh, I think then eighth would have been Usman. Then the Spurs would have had a decision: do they take the flyer on Shaden Sharp? Do they go a different direction? Do they go for a big. There's there's a lot of different possibilities there. I like Dyson Daniels. I, I'm not as high on the defense as as you are per se. Uh, I do like the pairing kind of that they have in the backcourt, and then. They were a good team last year. Like that. That's why. Like I wanted them to take the swing. This is still a, a really young kid who learned on the fly, playing with the G League Ignite, came into his own the last like month of the season. It took him a while to even believe in himself. And what he did, and we're at All Star Weekend. What I tweeted out was, it, it's a little bit of a small thing, but he looked like he belonged. He was one of the guys that looked like an actual NBA player out there. He wasn't searching shots. Yeah. He was getting out in transition. He was making plays. He was defending. Now you put other NBA guys around him and another place who's just known for their development. Uh, it makes sense. It does. I don't know how often they're going to get up in this range again. This is a byproduct of the Anthony Davis trade. But for the, like this is an investment, just as much as, as Shaden Sharp is for a younger guy in the draft that has all the tools that the click would be a, a great pick for them. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good way to put it. Uh Again, this is someone who fits what New Orleans has looked for previously. They love these guys that have very versatile skill sets, that can defend at a high level, that uh, are unselfish players. It is someone that I think could genuinely really help them. This is a team also that, like, they're, you know, there are rumors at the very least that they're considering moving Devontae Graham. They like positional size, they like uh, guys that have that intersection of skill with size. 
I think there's a pretty real chance that he's playing at least rotation level minutes next year as a 19 year old in the NBA. Um, and shout out Dyson Daniels, kid from Bendigo in Australia. Oh, here like, you go. I was waiting it, for baby. it. I was waiting for it. I was Let's waiting go. for you to like take your shirt off and have a Dyson Daniels jersey on or something. Yeah, like two hours northwest of where I am right now. Yeah, just Perfect. all about it. Like played for the Victorian team here where I'm at. How, like, let's how, go. Yeah. How, how many Australian basketball podcasts are you going to have to go on and talk about Dyson Daniels tomorrow? That's that's my question. Is that the line at two and that's a half? That's a good question. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably about two and a half. I don't know, man. Like I'm I'm trying to like turn log off after the draft here. Like this is where we're at. Like yeah. we need we're, we need a break, we need, baby. Yeah, we need a break. We need to unplug. But we're plugged in now. We're at the ninth pick. San Antonio on the clock. A minute twenty left here. Taking by the way, so like anybody. all of these picks so far, we had some inkling in terms of what was going to happen, right? Like I had it narrowed down to Portland, Shaden Sharp, or Dyson Daniels. Yeah. Uh, Indiana, we felt like Ben Matherin in all likelihood. Some you know potential for weirdness. We knew the Pistons liked Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Ben Matherin. We knew that the Pacer, or we knew that the uh, Kings had potential to take Keegan Murray or Jaden Ivey. Yeah. I don't know what the Spurs are doing here. I've heard. <laughs> I don't either. Don't ask me. A, I've just heard a lot of different names, basically, is what I would say. Yeah. They, they obviously you're going to have some big stuff because your Copodal is a uh, free agent next year. That could happen. You've had. DeJounte Murray. I was yelled at for calling him DeJounte Murray. I apologize, Spurs fans. I love you. Love Josh Primo forever. Uh, he's been mentioned in trade talks. Podal, who knows what they do. So do you add kind of another swing man? I've argued they've had so many of those guys in a 2-3 mold. Could add some shooting. Like That wouldn't surprise me if you had a shooter here. But I would go shooter or big. Jeremy Sohan feels like a, a Spursy pick. Doesn't mean it happens, but he feels like Honestly, very Spursy, just on paper. That's why like, I too. I mean, he was too Spursy, yeah, but that's Spursy. I will say... I've heard some like, you know who's really Spursy? Johnny Davis. Stuff. Yes, he is. He is. Like, well, tough. It's like they, they just did the, the trade of pushing out Derek White, taking in Romeo Langford because they wanted more room, time, flexibility. And that's when Primo, yeah. all, all kidding aside, was in the G League. Now he's going to be expected to produce a little bit. Do you take another guard in that mold? I wouldn't. I'd go with somebody a, a little bit bigger, but we'll see. The, the pick is in here. Uh, th- this one is... Uh, I've said this about eight picks. I, I really like this one. Like I, I don't have like a, an inkling on, on which way it's going to go. Yeah. Um, who would you take more Johnny Davis or Josh Primo? If Johnny Davis went to the Spurs. Jesus. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> Josh Primo. Honestly, Josh Primo as much. As I wow. Like Whoa. Yep, let's go. Yep, yep. Somebody asked That's me that on Twitter today. I said, look, he went 12th. He wiped the floor with the G League Ignite when they played during that showcase. He's younger than like almost everybody in this draft class. The passing is better than people thought. Can play on and off the ball. Real in the turnovers. The shot will get a little bit better, but Primo's just like offensive creativity. I like more. And length size. He's a little bit bigger than, than Johnny is. I love Johnny. But he's if they take Johnny Davis, like I have to. I, I have to, yeah, I think so. Uh if they take Johnny Davis, I have to move to San Antonio. I think I have to. That, that's like contractually uh obligation. Game theory has been fun. I'm, uh, I'm going to live in Spurs land. I'm going to live on the river. Well, no, you under the river. No, 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 you're not. You're not quitting the show. We, we will just do uh, <laughs> weekly updates on Josh Primo and. That's uh, I can do that anyway. Yeah, Josh Primo and Johnny Davis. This is. I think this is the longest. It's sort of like taken between picks here. Okay. So wrestling, wrestling it says it's in, but we're we're still awaiting the strut here. Um, come on, here we go. We're strutting. We're, going on mute. We're going to have a guest come in here soon to chat. Oh, let's do it. Uh, I love it. Let's do it. 
Yeah, Matt, Matt like hit, hits mute because he has to listen to every pick because he's like a. I don't even know if he's like a draft degenerate. Like I don't know. We went Spursy. We went Spursy. Jeremy Sohan is the pick. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Jeremy Sohan. Yeah, I love this pick. I'm a big Jeremy Sohan fan. I am a So fan, as I mentioned last podcast. Uh, absolutely adore him. Absolutely adore his defensive upside. I think he has a real offensive upside as well. He's the most switchable player in this draft class. You go back and you watch his tape. The game that obviously stands out is the North Carolina game where he was – um, you know, guarding Armando Baycott at times on the block. He was guarding Caleb Love and RJ Davis at times uh, on the perimeter. It, it was really, truly impressive stuff. But he did this all year. Like, this is just who he is. And on top of it, I think he has real upside as a creator. Like, you look at some of his grab-and-go stuff in transition. Oh, yeah. I think that his ability to cover ground quickly. Uh, these are guys that in the past I've underrated, I think. Like, Scotty Barnes and his ability to just yeah. cover ground at six foot nine. I think that's a really, really important critical skill that uh, just kind of goes underrated a little bit as we move through uh, the rest of this draft cycle. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I am. Uh, I'm a big Jeremy Sohan guy. I had him at number six on my board. This is a phenomenal pick for the San Antonio Spurs. It is. And I, I was talking to a basketball person about this today a little bit. Not this pick, but just sort of the mold as like, I don't, I don't see Jeremy Sohan really as a five, but you watch. Well, Golden State in the playoffs, and and granted, Golden State's a little different because they have four guys that are going to bomb from 40 feet away and, like, good luck. But they went small. They ran all of the court. Uh, they did different lineups with Otto Porter. They did different lineups with Kevon Looney, as we saw already. Draymond Green is a five at six foot six. That style of basketball, Jeremy Sohan fits, where he can run around, defend. He's a pretty good passer. You want the jumper to come around. The free throw numbers aren't great to say that it's going to. But if he adds like another piece or two offensively, the defense does so much that's going to keep him on the floor. I know generally San Antonio is slower and bring along their guys. They won't rush that either. But I think the defense will get him on the floor faster than a traditional rookie would. So we got an S here, folks. Coach Spins. Oh, Spins. What's Spins on. What's up, guys? It, How are we doing? Oh, what's going on? How's it going? Oh, everything holding form tonight. No surprises at all. It's been great. <laughs> have you what been have here the last few hours? Yeah, what's up? I feel like yeah. it's an outside world. Like we were in like a bubble and like somebody comes in. Like during quarantine, you didn't see anybody for weeks. It's like, oh, a friend. How are you? Yeah. It's good. <laughs> hope, hope the YouTube yeah. comment section isn't killing us too much. Well, one thing I'll say, thank goodness we're not listening to the Kendrick Perkins player comparisons because that's been the uh, – uh, It's I'm on mute. Right that's it's, why. Sam physically won't let me, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, no. Penny wants to like listen listen to the pod or listen to the broadcast while also podcasting because he's. A crazy I'm sorry, person. I'm a romantic. Like, I'm an NBA draft romantic. I like the sound. I like the walk. I like the pick. I like the booze, the cheers. That's what I'm here for. Penny, you're you're upstaging all of us with the suit there, but I got one thing for you specifically. Let's go! Oh, look at this. <laughs> Can you break a story? Do we get a pick in like the top fifteen now or something? Put on the hat when we we trade until late first. It's been yeah, right? rumored for. Who knows how many weeks, days where we just traded a late first pick, but hey, let's get back in. Another story from the day, Coach Spins. What, what's your early take on, on the draft here? What stands out the most to you? I actually like the fit for pretty much every team that has gone off the board in the top nine thus far. Like a couple of surprises, but I, I thought with the top three, Paolo was was my number one throughout this this entire cycle. Seeing him go to Orlando in a spot where you know they get a franchise changer on the offensive end is really important. 
love Chet to Oklahoma City, obviously. And then I think Jabari in Houston fits really well next to Jalen Green. So liked the way the top three kind of worked out. Uh, Kings are Kings. And then Ivy to, to Detroit's awesome. So I, like really good landing spots for those four guys that I've, I had in, in the top four of my board with uh, those big three and Ivy. Where did you have Keegan Murray on your board? Adam eighth. Ooh, you're saying there we you go. Same. See, Great. no, get out of here. Can I add a fourth go. person? Who we can like I get it. that? We as, like as Keegan, Keegan Murray. Murray. I know an NBA scout yeah, that like, Keegan Murray first. Can I call him? Can I get him on the board in the fourth spot? Yeah. You won't answer my call. They drafted somebody else. You but. do not know a scout that had Keegan Murray first. I promise. That is. We'll, a, we'll, we'll talk offline. We. I have some concerns. I'm going to be yeah, honest. <laughs> 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 um, oh man. Oh man. Uh, so, okay, so. The pick, pick is, is in, in here too. Uh, yeah, Matt has been talking to us about the silver struts uh, as Adam Silver goes up to oh, the yeah. podium here. So, uh, yeah, what do you think of Jeremy Sohan spins? Because this is where we're at. We're at Jeremy Sohan, the number nine overall pick to the San Antonio Spurs. Are you a fan? Yeah, I am a fan. I mean, I, I think the Spurs are building their roster around just getting as many versatile, long defensive guys as they can, and banking on. At some point, somebody's going to hit and become that top overall offensive option. Maybe it's Primo, Penny, but uh, well, there's going to be one guy that kind of steps up there and becomes the guy. So uh, I get it for San Antonio. Like if you're not enamored with anybody on the board to become that number one offensive option, keep contributing to your identity and going for a switchable, versatile defender. Like I, I would fear going up against a team that has playing on the wings and or the backcourt. DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell, and Jeremy Sohan. Like, that's a nightmare to try to score on. Oh, it really is. And it has so much versatility. Like, you can play super small. You can play big with Sohan next to Pirtle uh, in the front court and just be really, really tough defensively because of how good Sohan is rotating over from the weak side. Uh, Pirtle's obviously a very good drop coverage defender. Uh, Penny, or do we have the silver strut or are we rolling? No, we're good. We're, we're showing highlights okay. of, of, of various players here. I'm, I'm trying to also process what, cause I have subtitles on. They're showing Anthony Davis shoot. I'm like, did he get traded to love it? What are, we, what are we doing here? Uh, the pick is so, in. We're zoomed in. Hold on. Are we getting a strut here? Oh, we're strutting boys. So I'm going to hit mute. Okay. You guys keep talking, watch my dumb face react to this. Yeah. What do you think of Sohan on offense? Uh, Adam? Yeah, you know, definitely a work in progress. Um, but I, I think the shooting is actually going to be okay. So Ooh, let's go, let's go, let's Johnny, go. Go ahead, make the pick. There it is. Boom, Johnny Davis. Yeah, culture, winning, commitment, defense. I love it. They they need a. You're just a saying words right now. Synergy, yep, I am. I am. <laughs> rectangle. <laughs> Squares, circles, diamonds, uh, and, and that's what John Davis is. He has a diamond in the rough. Uh, he got a bad rap here. I think this is actually the right range. I have Johnny Davis yeah. at seven, a, a little bit more ambitious than, than a lot of people are here, but I, I like him in the 10 range that plays next to maybe Brad Beal. I, I don't know who else is there, but he's a culture type of guy that came into his sophomore year ready to play, and he guarded, he defended. The usage rate was incredibly high. I get it. People lower because like, is the shot real? They just take a lot of bad shots. Another guy I've seen a ton because he played on the Wisconsin Playground Warriors on the Under Armour circuit. What we saw offensively with the bad stuff wasn't really always who he was as a player. That was just of the pieces around him. Literally played on one leg to end the season, and people just have that recency bias too of you weren't good versus Iowa State. What happened there? Well, he also put him on the back versus Colgate and 
kept him in that game, albeit as ugly as it was. Get him to full strength if the jump happens, similar to freshman sophomore year. I really like him. I like him in Washington. It's a good pick. So here's my thing that I like, actually. I really like his defensive tape. Like, when I watch him, I almost think he's more weirdly like Dylan Brooks than anyone else. And, like, I think Dylan Brooks is really good. I don't – he's different athletically. He's not as powerful as Dylan is, but he's more athletic and more twitchy, I think, than Dylan is. And I think that he's going to be a little bit – and Dylan got really good at getting around screens and he's great as a perimeter defender. I think Johnny's going to be a phenomenal perimeter defender in the NBA. I had him at 10. Uh, he was the starter of this next year for me. I absolutely love this pick. I think that all of my top nine players now are gone at this point. Now that Sohan went nine. Uh, yes. Nine, nine for me as well. Yeah. So well, spins, where are you yeah, at yeah. on Johnny Davis at this point? Where, where yeah. did you have Johnny Davis? What do you think of his game? Yeah, I had him at nine. Uh, actually think that he's going to do a lot better playing next to a star player like Bradley Beal because it'll lighten the offensive burden from him. I, I think he's going to be fine as a catch-and-shoot guy. But like you, Sam, I love the defense. That's what really I've bought into uh, with a guy like Johnny Davis. think that the right fit next to Bradley Beal in Washington isn't just somebody that can handle the ball a little bit and allow him to, to take a spell uh, on the offensive end, but someone who comes in and defends the top perimeter option for the other team. That's what Davis does. Uh, if I'm Bradley Beal, I'm actually pretty happy right now. Yeah, I really like it. Like it's, it's a different version of what Dyson Daniels brings to the table because offensively it's more of a scoring package as opposed to a passing and distributing package. Uh, but I, I don't know, like I, you guys both think that Johnny Davis is probably a little bit better offensively than Dyson is, right? I do. Yeah. More, yeah. more well-rounded, I guess. More of a scorer. More like ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and look, I, I think Dyson has real upside because Dyson's almost fucking six foot eight, and that's <laughs> just enormous. Like, yeah. Johnny is a little bit under six foot six, and if Dyson learns to shoot, it's really going to open up the rest of his game because of how he processes the game at such a high level offensively. Uh, Penny, do we have the pick? Is that is that what that uh, was? So I'm I'm smiling. I'm reacting. The pick is in. No strut yet. But I'm reacting because this is the New York Knicks pick in New York. You could draft Anthony Davis. You could draft LeBron James. You could draft Larry Bird. It's going to get booed, right? Like So I, I'm preparing for it. I might keep the audio on for an extra five seconds. Uh, the top of the board kind of left for me, for guys. I'm way higher on Malachi Branham than I think you guys are. I have A.J. Griffin 12th. Yeah. Mark Williams, 13th. Jalen Dern, 14th. Uh, we're strutting. You, I mean, what, what if you guys are the Knicks here? You're Worldwide West or whoever's making the pulling the strings here. Who's your pick? Yeah, I think A.J. Griffin. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm a hometown I, kid. I, Come on home. I'd go Duran. Yeah, I'd, I'd go Duran. Interesting. Yeah, I get I get it. Like, if you're not going to re-sign Mitchell Robinson. Right. Uh, that, that's the big I, dangler. I think you need to make the Mitchell Robinson decision tonight, though, as opposed to making it in free agency after you um, after you take someone here. So it looks like we have something here. Yeah, uh, I think we're celebrating. We're talking about Kemba Walker. Uh, what do you got? Where are you at, Silver? Come on here, man. Stop hiding. Okay. Uh, here it so, comes. Uh, here he he knows the villain walk, New York. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, just say there's been a trade. Watch this place explode. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I love how Penny goes on mute, by the way. Like, he'll talk, like, thinking that we can see it. Usman Jang. Whoa. So, Didn't have that on the board. Trade. Yeah. yeah. So, 
in the comments here, uh, it looks like this pick is going to be traded to Oklahoma City, uh, according to Jacob. Do we do we have a confirmation on that from someone? Uh, no details I, yet is what Jacob is saying. Who 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 tweeted that? Can we can we get some sort of confirmation? Because I want to credit them. Uh, multiple first round. Pit. What the fuck? What was it? You have twelve. They're not taking Usman Jang. <laughs> Wait, what? They, they got, on the board. What are you talking about? What are you yelling about? Well, I mean, name? like the Knicks are not the Knicks are taking Usman Jang, but like if this was their pick and they weren't making the pick for Oklahoma City, I panicked. I'm like, did I hear the wrong thing? What did I do wrong? So, I so what's, it, what's your problem? Because they had to leapfrog a pick to get their guy. To you give up an extra first round pick? Is that what it was? Multiple move first one round spot? picks. Multiple first. I mean, look, they have like 47 first round picks in the next eight drafts. So like whatever, I guess. But I don't look here. Here's the real thing. I don't have that high of a grade on Usman Jang. I have him at 16 overall. I think that I'm a little bit lower before we dive into why spins. Where do you have him? Uh, 16 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. So So before we dive into why, I do just want to note there are contextual factors with Usman Jang to consider. He was largely you know, living out of a hotel room this year in a new country where there was a language barrier, like, you know, spoke English, but like there is a cultural barrier, a language barrier coming from France down to Australia, playing for a bad team, playing for a team that literally was like not in its country for a large portion of the year. It's very similar to the Zaire Williams thing last year where he was in, um, Okay, wait. Oklahoma City is still on the clock, apparently. Um, yeah. This might be like just multiple different first it's rounds. It's just like, uh, be- yeah, flip flop, snip, snap, snip, snap. It, is, it, is it weird, though, with Oklahoma City? Are they like compiling this ultimate roster of like beautiful misfit toys? Is this like Toy Story, like under Spike's bed? Like all those guys like crawl out and it's like, ah, oh, there's Oklahoma City. Like, well, it, it's does, very. Does, does it fit? Not at all. But like, absolutely at the same time. That's what I think is cool about it. It's very clear what they want. They want guys that are big. They have positional size. They can dribble, pass, shoot, and defend. Like, that's their whole thing. It's why they like Josh Giddy last year. It's why they like Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like, this is, this is it. This is what they do now. Like, they're, I know that when Fred Katz was on the show a couple weeks ago, we talked about the uh, Andre Robertson and Josh Hustis all stars that were like six oh, foot yeah. seven to six foot eight <laughs> that like were athletes and great defenders, but didn't have any ball skills. They've gone totally away from that at this point. Yes and no, but at the same time, we're talking about length, and uh, I'm drawn to the um, the Raptors press conference. It's eluding me who said the quote, but it, I think it was the GM, maybe assistant GM. But he said something along the lines of, like, we want people who can uh, dribble, pass, they can shoot, like, great, like, whatever. Is this, like, Raptors-y in that let's get the longest, tallest team that has decent ball skills, we'll teach them how to shoot because we believe in it, it is – I hate saying the Golden State thing because they're just so different with like their shooters, but the game has changed. Be versatile, have bigs that can be multi-spot. That's what stands out to me with sort of this pick. Would I give up multiple first? No, uh, I'm also not a GM. Sam, you talk to it. When you have this many picks, you have the luxury of being able to do that if you want to. Uh, I just don't covet Usman Jang that way. There's a lot of people who had him in the top 10. So maybe that was yes. Oklahoma City said, that guy's eight. If we can get them at 11, like we got to do it. We got to leapfrog one yeah. spot. Yeah. Spins, can you break down Usman Jang in terms of his game? Uh, I have to use the toilet. I will yeah. uh, momentarily. This is like a toll booth, and people are like, where do you go to the bathroom when you're in there? 
It's like, oh, it's actually <laughs> just around the corner. But you can wear a diaper if you want. Go ahead, Sam. You're, you're off the clock. Let that yeah. cat in. Spins, hit me on new sunshine. We got it. So, like, first thought here is that Oklahoma City's got to be going. If they're keeping this pick at 12, I think they're going with another long-armed, lanky, like a wing that fits next to SGA, Giddy, and Chet, right? So, uh, like, yeah, that's what I would think moving forward here and looking at 12 if they're keeping both. Uh, Usman Jang, kind of a, a different type of prospect. Super, super long. Actually plays pretty low to the ground and has some fluidity off the bounce. I think of him as more of a really big kind of point guard, combo guard, almost like a Nick Batum-ish defender who's yeah, really like best that. served defending smaller guys and using his length to his advantage. But very skinny, not very strong right now, and doesn't play a super physical style. Like relies on floaters a lot more than he does. It's like, it's like a weird floater too. It's like it not from like six feet, it's from like 10 feet. Like kind of like leans in and pushes it. Uh, I'll, I'll give him credit. I, I went back and I, I think a lot of people did. He was slow to start the second half of the year. Like a lot of these guys, they're they're younger and they, they got more accustomed to the physicality. I'm worried about that. Like I, I'm worried about him being that size and going to the paint like an extra step and finishing through contact. Is the jumper better? It's kind of like a weird like fling across the side of the face. Defensively, is he going to be overpowered and hunted in the front court because of of that frame? If they keep the pick, it, it gets interesting. Like now, it's do you take even more of a flyer on a guy like Jalen Williams, who's who's come out of nowhere that that people are high on? That that does scream Oklahoma City in a sense yeah. there too. Uh, yeah. so they get the crazy, 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 and say, you know what, we need some energy. Let's take Dale and Terry, maybe. But there's a, there's a lot of good options they could go here. I'd, I'd go Jalen Williams. I just I really like I like Jalen. I, I think the fit there is pretty good of having another playmaker kind of in that wing spot. I, I think that he shoots it well enough to be a pretty good pick, but I, I wouldn't be surprised by AJ Griffin either. Like another really versatile guy. At some point, Oklahoma city is going to have to build a brand new weight room, right? Oh man. You got, you got to bring in the guy that uh, was at Memphis back in the Georgia tech that, that ran the chameleon BX or whatever. It was like the mask didn't say who he was. Just like, we don't have weight. Just like run the hill until I tell you to stop. Like, dude, this isn't weightlifting. Just start running and you'll get bigger. I don't know. You, you need like an outside the box strength guy. But I, I think that strength coach and nutritionist has the work cut out for them too. And I, I like Chet during the pre-draft process, telling people in interviews multiple times, like, I eat, I, I, I lift, he's, he's quiet. Like, I eat, I lift weights. Like, people don't think I do. I'm still really skinny. Uh, but all the peanut butter and jellies in Oklahoma City, that's that's for sure. So, Sam, any, any, any thoughts on this pick here? Oklahoma City, the pick is in. What do you do? If you hold on to all these, what what's your kind of swing? We're getting the strut. You talk on it. I'm muting. I want to hear my boy. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't know who they're taking. I haven't looked. Um, AJ Griffin is interesting to me because if you're taking a flyer on someone here who has big wing positional size, I don't mind it, to be honest. Like, I think it could make some sense there. Penny is giving us a look saying that. Oh, spins. Spins, brother. We are here. Jalen Williams. We called it. Love it. What? So, what I'll, an un- unbelievable ascension to be yeah. there. Holy. So I, I do yeah. want to give, I do want to give some context here in terms of the, um, the Jalen Williams rise. So over the last like, you know, 12 hours or so, cause I've been awake now for eight of those. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten some texts saying like, look, I think the Cavs really like Jalen Williams. I think the Hawks really like Jalen Williams. My guess is that he goes higher than this because the team's, think that they have to jump him in order to get him. Correct. And I agree with that. That's essentially what happened here. Oklahoma City 
they didn't jump them with this pick, but they jumped with the previous pick using their cache of assets previously in order to go and get a guy in Usman Jeng that they wanted on top of it. They now end up with Jalen Williams because they wanted the three guys that could yes. really play. Spins, you wanted to talk about Jalen. I'm going to give you the floor. Tell us all yeah. about him. I love Jalen. Absolutely love the way he plays. Uh, you know, think there's a really dependable floor there because he is a good passer to be a secondary guy. And I, I think the word, you know, connective tissue is a little bit overused like sometimes. Yeah. Um, but he can be that guy because he's tall, he's long. He can, in theory, defend multiple positions. And he shot about 40% from three on a low volume of catch and shoots this year. So a dependable floor. I see a ton of upside for a guy I like him. Still, still growing into his body. Like, Penny, I'm going to use this as my opportunity to ask you, what do you prefer? Guy who played quarterback in high school or oh, a late God. bloomer physically who was a point guard and now turns into like this seven-foot wingspan type of guy? Can you do both? Is that like Anthony Edwards? Uh, I, there, there's, there's both. And I'm laughing because Jacob, who's, who's one of our, our new producers, wrote in the chat like combine guy, Matt. I love that he played in the combine. There are shades of Josh Primo here because, as Sam mentioned, this was probably a pick. Uh, and I don't know what Woj is saying here, if they're if they're actually trading this or not. They jumped in and probably took him a few spots early because they're afraid of what happened behind. So the Spurs took Josh Primo at 12 because they were worried about 17, 18. They couldn't wait until like the 20s to get him. So then to come up and get their guy, I like him because he is such a classic late bloomer. Give me the guys that have the chip on the shoulder. Give me the guys who weren't ranked highly in high school. Spins, you're, you're as dialed into the high school space as I am too. I, I talked to a person today from USA Basketball. And we talked about a kid who was cut. And I said, I want that kid. And you know why? Because he's going to come back in a year and be like, you cut me. I'm coming for mine. I'm going to score 15 points a game. And I'm going to rip everyone's hearts out, right? I want the guys that don't get complacent. He's been hungry. He was a a lot smaller. He got bigger as time went on. Kept the guard skills as he got bigger. Kind of like hiding in plain sight. Sam and I talked about him in January as a guy I liked in the 40s. This has been nuts. But I'll go back to the combine. Playing the combine, man, it works. It helps. If you can play, teams read into that like a lot. It happened with Bones Highland. It happened with Josh Primo. Now it's happening here with uh, with our boy Jalen Williams. So I'm happy for him. I love the story. And I think it's really cool what Oklahoma City's putting together. Like I, I like that roster significantly more after tonight than I did yesterday. Yeah, and, and look at just the way that the game is evolving, right? What every team is looking for are guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot at six foot six, you know, or not even this big where he's like the standing reach of a power forward. Right. Uh, right. But guys, you can dribble past shoot at this size who have like a credible potential to defend. I'm not quite as high on his defense as what I think his frame would indicate. You would think, I think that his feet can just get stuck in the mud a little bit more than what you're looking for. Um, this is a little bit like, I really like Jalen Williams and I'm in on it. It's, it's a little high for me. Like it, it's oh, just, it's a it's a lot of high. I mean, I I submitted my board to uh, our buddy at the USA Today, and and I had him sixteenth, and I was like, man, that's got to be like really high. And, and people started to come around on a little bit. I said a, a friend text me, is Oklahoma City becoming the West Coast Conference All Stars with both Chet and Jalen Williams? Did he, did Sam Presti <laughs> watch Chet fall over and Jalen Williams score that bucket on him? Be like. I want that guy. Like, put him, put him more on the radar. He's at forty. Let's put him at thirty, and then he moves up in pre-draft. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but, but it's, it's sort it's, of, it's sort of inside, but outside the box for for Oklahoma City for Sam Presti. I like it. You got to take swings on this in the draft. Like, you use all these picks. You have a treasure chest. Use the treasure. So, 
I mentioned the dribble pass shoot aspect of Jalen Williams. I think that's the critical thing in terms of what this rise is. Uh, NBA teams are looking for guys that are this big, that can dribble, that can pass, that can shoot. Jalen was one of the best catch and shoot guys statistically this year in college basketball. Uh, he has incredible passing ability. I mean, uh, you watch this guy throw pocket passes. Uh, out of pick and roll. It's absolutely phenomenal. He's so, so skilled at it. Uh, and then, you know, he can handle because he grew up as a point guard, as Spins so eloquently put it a minute ago. Yeah. So I, I love this. Uh, I get it. The one that I don't get is giving up multiple picks for Usman Jang. Usman Jang. But, yeah, don't get it. We can't, we can't have you know, all the wins, right? Some of the, the half wins. But this is like un, undeniably like a huge win tonight for Oklahoma City. Like if we're, <laughs> If we're grading drafts, right? Like, I think this is an A draft, even though I don't love every single thing they've done. They've done incredibly well to add talent in the ways that they needed to add talent. Yeah, totally. Good, yeah. good day for the down to dunk crew. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, do we, do we have the uh, silver strut? Uh, <laughs> not yet. Pick is in here from Charlotte. This is a little bit of also 40 chess. Do you take the big here where the whole world has marked, mocked? Mark Williams, little tongue twister there. Or do you try to take your wing here because Cleveland is sitting in the pick in the middle of 13-15. They could play spoiler. Uh, spins, you're here. You're 13. What's your move for the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Duren's got to be in play here too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, between him and Mark Williams, I think Duren's got longer upside. I think Mark Williams is obviously more ready to come in and play right away, but um, if I'm Charlotte, I'd probably go Durant, just matching the, the long-term upside there. Like, I, I don't think they're in a position to be rushing through this process. And, and if they can be patient, that's the perfect lob partner and rim protector for LaMelo long-term. Oh, it's time. Okay, it's time. Yeah, I agree with Spins. I would go Durant here. Um, I, I don't know what the pick is. but Well, you guys have made the pick correctly. It is Jalen Durant, 13, to Charlotte. And this boils down to one thing. Michael Jordan could not see a world where he drafts a Dukey uh, to be on his team. And, and that's that's how it t- turned out. Uh, I was killed. I, I have Jalen Dern 14th on my board. I actually have Mark Williams 13th. Uh, he's so young, man. He he is. And that's one of the things that gets lost in the shuffle. Like, he's supposed to be finishing oh, here, here we go. School. Here we go. Uh, do, we, do, we have a, do we have a trade here? No, 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 no. Could, could be the Pistons for Jalen Dern. Could be the Knicks. Okay. Unclear. What? <laughs> I'm just going off uh, so, Jacob on, in, the, anyway. in the chat so let's, here. So let's we, do this. Need... Let, let's just let's just talk about him as a prospect, right? So as yeah, a prospect, he's really young. He turns 19 years old in November. So a lot of the lumps that he took as a freshman is really like a high school senior out there. Despite him looking like a man amongst boys, he had to adjust to his speed. He had to adjust to a half-court offense. He had to adjust to not having the ball in his hands all the time. Had his moments. I wanted him to be a little bit more of a, a rebounder in Conference USA. I thought his numbers, frankly, should have been better. Uh, he showed up and, and wanted to break Chet Holmgren when they played in the NCAA tournament. I think he came out too hot and just, like, burnt through it there. But as a, a rim runner, rim protector, catch some lobs, not going to be asked to, like, score in the post with Lamella Ball and that crew. Just be what you are. Be the total version of Jalen Dern of, of what it is. Don't try to be a shooter. Don't try to like do stuff off the dribble, and I think that works there. He's a starting center in the NBA. Yeah, so this, this is this is the reason why it's confusing. Uh, Woj and Shams back to back, literally within one second of one another. Uh, sources: Hornets traded Jalen Duran to the Knicks from Shams, and then Woj. The Pistons are acquiring Jalen Duran at number thirteen in a trade. Sources tell ESPN. 
So, so what's my, my answer is no. I don't know what is happening here. Did just um, like did just like the NBA draft Jalen Duran? They just have like a generic <laughs> NBA jersey. Like we'll figure it out. Here you go. Just put on yeah, a hat. Put on the, two hats. The Rob like Lowe the, shield hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Tony Romo like subway hat he kept from the commercial. Just like hey man, how do you still have or Corona commercial whatever it was the the half jersey. Uh, I, I like Jalen Dern. I, I do. Yeah. I, he he wasn't. Uh, we projected him probably too high coming out. I, I saw the best of him at, at Pangos All American Camp the year before, really the summer before. He enrolled like two months earlier. Uh, yeah. Take some time to to be the the full version we want him to be. Uh, I still remember on Team Final though. I, I remember what he looked like yeah. in the Nike EYBL, and he was a man of most boys. Yeah. Spins what, on your take. What what's your spin on? Your spin for the spinster, you call Jalen Dern pre here. So go ahead. Give me some more. Yeah, I mean, I like Dern like you. I saw him play a little bit in AAU. Um, I thought that he was good when his motor was was high. And I think that that's probably going to be the case for the rest of his career. Like he's playing in that DeAndre Ayton-ish role of screen, roll, finish, defend, call out actions, and rebound. And you got to be a consistent motor guy in order to thrive in that type of role. Uh, I I really liked him in Charlotte. Like, I don't really, regardless of who the pick is going to right now, <laughs> yeah. where Duran goes, like, I would have kept him. Well, okay. So, so as, as I make a, a poorly timed corny joke about Michael Jordan not taking Dookie, if this thing gets traded, do they still then get their man at 15 with Mark Williams? I will never stop laughing at you. I will never stop laughing at you. You <laughs> made that one joke, among many, many things, Sam, that you could laugh at. I'm wearing a suit on a, on a YouTube broadcast in my living room. <laughs> I'm wearing uh, sweat shorts like I'm a weatherman. So if you want some material, I, I, I got plenty. We got a few more hours here left. Oh, my God. Um, by the way, we, we know what Cleveland is doing. I won't say because Matt will have no, a uh, no. little, no, we don't. little thing. Um, oh, I, I can't even read the chat. They're, they're spoiling for The pick is in for Cleveland. Can we just have some pageantry here <laughs> for two hours? I asked Munch, get off my lawn. Son went to bed early. Just <laughs> let me enjoy this. Oh my God. This is amazing. So Duran, yeah, I agree with spins. I totally agree. I would have rather just kept Jalen Duran if I was Charlotte. Can you imagine Jalen Duran catching lobs from LaMelo ball? Like that's what it comes down to. This is the best rim runner in the NBA draft, in my opinion. And he runs in transition like him and miles bridges and these guys just playing. So like it would have been perfect. I think for LaMelo to continue developing, uh, he has real defensive potential. I'm not quite as high on his switchability as some people are, but yeah, I do get it. Spins, spins, give me a look. Come on. I I like the switchability. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's there. Not like a full time. You switch everything. scheme, But in the, in the final five seconds of a shot clock, I think he moves his feet well enough. And, And if you have to do that against, a bigger scoring wing, like he'll be, he'll be okay. Okay, yeah, no, I, think, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want that guy out in space. Put it that way. It's ISO. I'm not like, yeah, we're good. No, we are but, not good. But like, Penny, send another guy, I, rotate back. Like, yeah, it, it goes back to the motor, though, right? Like, if he's dialed I, in, I, I, then he that. can do those things. If it's, if he's going to be the same kind of, you know, uh, wishy washy, you know, some days he's on, some days he's not, guy, then, then he's probably not going to be switchable. Who is it? It's Cleveland time. Silver Strut. Well, so here's here's the thing. So the reason that I don't love 
like I would say that I agree with you that he can hold up occasionally in switches when the like he just gets stuck out there, right? I don't think you're ever going to run a switch scheme with Jalen Duran. Like if he gets strung out, that's one thing. But like I don't think you're going to go into games going, yeah, we're going to bam out of bio. We're going to switch everything. We're going to get. Rolling. Oh, I hate that. I think it's yeah, more... I, I hate that they yeah. showed Kyle to bam out of bio when he was there. That, that's not who he is. For yeah. a guy that's closer to DeAndre Jordan, I think. Sure. And I like the the rim running, lob catching. For Oshag Baji, national champion, tournament most outstanding player, goes 14th to Cleveland. This one gained some traction the last few days here. Most of the yeah. mock drafts of, of people in the know had Oshai 14th to Cleveland. I like it as a, as another so shooter. Let, as another let me – Oh, so you can trade it. Let me stop. No, 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 no. He's not getting traded. We do have a full okay, trade good. on Duran, but give me a second. The three names that people had for Cleveland the whole way were Usman Jang, Jalen Williams, Ochai Agbaji. I think that the other two were ahead of Oshai, to be honest. Um, but I don't know that for a fact. I think that that's the way it would have gone. Um, Oshai is a good pick here. They need wing help. They need defensive versatility. They need shooting at a very high level. It's kind of a simple pick. Like I think he can step into their rotation day one and be valuable in a real way, given the shooting ability and given his ability to switch. It's not the sexiest pick in the world, but this is a team that has Darius Garland. They have Evan Mobley already. They don't need anything more than like a fourth or fifth option on offense. And I think that that's what Ochai can be. Yeah, very simple game, right? Stand on the perimeter, knock down shots. And and I think Cleveland, you know, valuing somebody who's a little bit more NBA ready does make a little bit of sense for them because they, they have those minutes to plug on the wing, not necessarily for 30 minutes a night, but somebody who can come in and just play you know, a decent role around them. So, um, yeah, that's solid. So I, I love Oshai. I mean, we've, we kind of talked this into existence from the beginning of the year. He'll be a first-round pick. could be a lottery pick. So for him to actually be a lottery pick at 14, my phone's blowing up. So, Sam, I, I see you looking at your phone. Spins, you have uh, telekinetic stuff here. What is the actual full trade from Jalen Dern? Where is he going? What are we doing? Is he a piston? Is Kemba Walker involved? Like, wh- what's the spin? So, Sorry, it I looks like I mean an actual spin. I'm not taking a shot at you. Yeah, it, it looks like Jalen Duran is going to be a Nick. It looks Nick. like they moved Kemba Walker to the Pistons, and it looks like maybe that Milwaukee pick is going from Portland or from so, uh, so what did the Detroit do that they acquired? So the Pistons are moving that Detroit pick. That they or the Milwaukee pick that they acquired for Jeremy Grant, moving him to Portland to um, who the Hornets, I guess. Okay. So, Spins, you have it, thoughts. You, so, if I'm getting this straight, the Pistons <laughs> are giving up a first in order to get Kemba Walker. Oh no! Really? There has to be something else. Yeah. yeah. Like there, there have to be other details here moving yeah, forward. That's I mean. Not- they got to be getting at least a pick back. Yeah, like you would think that someone is giving them a pick back. I, I don't know. We're all guessing here with Jalen Duran. It looks like Jalen Duran is a Nick. That's that's what we're that's where we're at. Let's go with that. Um, 